Hey, it's Jen Garrett here, and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. I've helped thousands of people to develop their own personal game plan to achieve that next level of greatness. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize the same tools and strategies of professional athletes, Fortune 500 executives, and successful entrepreneurs to elevate your hustle and get you across your goal line. So get ready. It's your time to move the ball. Hey, everyone. Jen Garrett here. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for quite some time, welcome back. I'm glad that you are here with us today. As you all know, on this podcast, we talk about business, branding, sports, and of course, how to move the ball. This episode is part of my special Behind the Pros trainer series, where I'm interviewing performance trainers who coach professional and college athletes, get players ready with workouts in the off-season and with combine-specific training, and who just help athletes to perform at a higher level. I wanted to incorporate this series into the podcast because whether you are a pro athlete or an all-star player in the game of life, we all need coaches and trainers to help us advance, to move the ball, and to reach that next level, both on and off the field. Okay, for today's episode, I've got one of Atlanta's elite trainers with me, and he's definitely someone who knows how to help his athletes improve their performance and stay competitive at the pro level. Inside the huddle with us today, and ready to share his insights and experiences, is Andrew Johnson. Drew is a former football quarterback who played college football at the Citadel. Drew, also known as the Mad Scientist, and we'll get into how he got that name, has a wealth of experience as an athlete and a coach, and his robust background developing and directing fitness and training programs has allowed Drew to excel and be recognized as a top trainer for the pros. Some of the NFL players that Drew trains are DeAndre Swift with the Lions, Josh Norman with the 49ers, Nick Chubb with the Browns, and Bud Dupree with the Titans. Drew, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing? Thank you for having me. Well, I'm so glad that you are here with us today. Really excited for our conversation. And, you know, as a podcast host, I'm always thinking about how do I want to start the conversation? And where I want to kick things off with you is you playing football. Some of the trainers as part of the series played ball before. Some didn't because you did. I want to talk to you about how did you get into football and what was it about the sport that made you really love it? Okay. I actually started playing football like eighth grade. I was a late bloomer. I was more of a soccer, basketball, baseball, but I had a lot of friends that played football. So it actually started in a bit. So I was like, if y'all play soccer with me, I'll play a year of football. And once that happened, mm. yeah, it's crazy. Once that happened, I kind of got hooked. And it, I think it was more so of the competition. Like I'm really big on competition, like anything, like you can't even walk faster than me in the mall. <laughs> <laughs> That's how competitive I am. And my high school down in Cocoa, Florida, or Rockledge, Florida, we actually were more of a football school. So if you were going to go to school, your best bet was going to be in football. And uh, with playing baseball, my coach, he also coached football. And he was like, hey, you got a good arm, smart. Let's try this quarterback thing. And once I got my first offer in my sophomore year, that was it. I was ready to go. And being a quarterback teaches you a lot of things about being a leader. And being able to excel and to move the ball and drive that forward progress with your team as a competitive athlete and a quarterback, what are some of the things so on this podcast, we've got a positive motivational kind of vibe to it too. So what are some of the things that 
playing that position and being a competitive athlete have taught you to be able to be successful in everything that you've done? Basically, you have to be coachable, but you have to be a student of the game inside and out. And that's in life. You know what I mean? So you got to consistently be learning, be willing to learn and things of that nature, because that quarterback position is it's very sensitive. You know what I'm saying? It's very tedious as well. Like one little mistake in the whole thing can go away. So you got to know what's going on, be ahead of the game, film everything you can possibly do to be two or three steps ahead, not only your teammates, but but your opponents. Like it, it's a special position. It's not for everybody. Like I really wasn't a vocal person. I don't like public speaking, which is crazy. I'm more, I lead by example, but a quick thing that happened to me was I, I just wasn't that vocal in the huddle and my high school coach benched me and put in a freshman. I was like a junior. I just wasn't being vocal like that. And I learned very quickly after about two practices what I had to do. So I just I just had to be that guy. You know, you're the coach on the field. They're looking at you in the huddle with wide eyes, like, you know, take us there. What do we got to do? So that's the biggest thing with that. We got a lot of quarterbacks that just use their talent. Talent is only going to take you so far. You have to be a student of the game. Absolutely. And so I want to get to how you became a trainer. But before we get there, I'm just going to ask you, when you look back at your time playing at the Citadel, what was the most memorable experience for you and why? It'll have to be the first time I started. The first time I started was probably like the fifth game of the season as a freshman. I came in and there were like three or four quarterbacks and I was just kind of at the bottom. I was like the sixth quarterback, but I did what I needed to do in the summer. And you know how colleges are, you know, those boosters and everything like that. They see certain kids. They're like, okay, well, why is he not on the field? Be it he's a freshman or what have you. So after about the fourth game, I just thought I was in a red shirt. I was dressing, but I just thought I was in a red shirt. And the captain of the team, his name was Chip Simmons. He was a center. He basically got together with the coaches and was like, hey, we got a better shot with this freshman. So I came in and the coach was like, hey, you're taking us out. They called my mom the week before. I didn't even know. They showed up in the stands when I come out the tunnel. I'm emotional. I can't believe what's going on. And the first play I got the ball, I fumbled. Oh. (laughs) Yeah, not what you expected. But at that particular time, I thought, okay, that's it. I messed up. And they came right back to me. And it was like, yo, DJ, you're up. Let's go. Started the game. You're going to finish. And then I end up having like 200 and something rushing yards, three TDs. It was crazy. Well, I think that's important. I'm glad you brought that experience up because I think in life too, we all fumble the ball. We drop the ball. There are things that we should have done that we just don't end up doing for one reason or another. And as teammates and as leaders and managers and professionals in life, we can't just say, oh, well, you screw that up. Sorry, you're out right. Right? and put somebody else in. So I think it's important that people remember, I mean, we're human beings. We do make those mistakes. We'll fumble the ball. That doesn't mean that that we shouldn't be given another chance to perform. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's go through your journey of how you got to being a trainer. Okay. So you're at the Citadel, played football there. Then what happened? How did you get into training? Got done there. I was a computer information systems guy. So got working with the Senate legislator up in Tallahassee, Florida, where I was helping out at Wakala High School with football team. And then did a little arena ball, came, played a little arena ball, 
some semi-pro stuff, some pro stuff there. And then, you know, that was short-lived. I, I really wasn't into the arena ball thing like that, but started really getting into coaching. And then when I got transferred to Atlanta and came up here, I was in Grayson, Georgia, and I didn't know that Grayson was a powerhouse football team. At that time, Mickey Kahn was the head coach there. I didn't know who he really was, in which now he's at Clemson coaching. But his son and uh, my son actually played on the same all-star teams, and I was just out in the field just training my son, you know, his friends, nothing big. And he invited me out to a practice, and from then I kind of got into training at Grayson. And I was like, hey, maybe I need to do an LLC and just do it on the weekend, start renting out parks. And it just, I got into Collins Hill and the Buford area. My name started buzzing a little bit and tapped into a few NFL guys. And it just like, okay, look, I'm going to stop my nine to five, take a break, in which they let me do. And then let me try this thing out. And I haven't been back since. So it kind of worked out in my favor. Oh, I love that. So let's talk about that a little bit more. A couple of things I wanted to mention. One, you talked about how your name had gotten out. And as a service provider, mm-hmm. that's something that's very important in growing your business. It's that word of mouth, that referral, those people saying, hey, I know this person mm-hmm. and he does great work. You should go check him out. So I think that's important. So anybody that is a service provider or an entrepreneur needs to really think about, make sure that your customer experiences are ones that are leaving good impressions mm-hmm. so that people will recommend you. Whether you're a pro trainer or, you know, somebody else, right? Like that word of mouth is so important. The other thing I wanted to talk about is you mentioned putting a pause on your nine to five to going to focus full time, 100% on this. I've been there before and my listeners know my journey and, you know, my journey of leaving the corporate world. It wasn't so much a pause. It was I'm going. But talk to us about what did you do to get ready to make that jump? And when you look back at, the journey, what are some of the things that you did well that you would tell other people, hey, if you're looking to go be your own entrepreneur, these are some things that you need to do? Absolutely. One of the things that I didn't have in this business, I didn't have anybody to kind of guide me. You know what I mean? I took a lot of losses. It was basically, you have to know your worth. You got to be conscious of that. But until you get to that point where you can just ask for that top dollar or what have you, I really started in volume. I was basically the dub guy. That's what they call it, the $20 guy. So it was like, hey, can we get a group session? 20 bucks. Hey, can we do this? 20 bucks. You know what I'm saying? One-on-one, 20 bucks. It never changed, you know, because everybody just seemed like they could afford that. And I just had a lot of volume. Like I could have four or five sessions a day, but it's 25 guys in a session or kids. and that's how it began to go. Right now, social media. I wasn't big into social media like that. So everything was pretty much word of mouth. Or if I try to pass out a business card or something like that, you don't even need business cards like that anymore. You have social media and, you know, putting yourself out there, making sure the product is good. Definitely do that. You know what I'm saying? After a while, you're going to need some kind of help. It's hard doing it on your own. You know what I'm saying? You'll run yourself into the ground. My take on it, once you get to a certain point, you know, you got to trust and believe in what you do and you're going to have to branch out. It can't just be one stream of income. You know what I mean? Whether it's a consulting thing, whether you get a contract with a high school or middle school, 
personal training in the off season. I mean, in season and you got your NFL guys in off season, like you got to create a system, a really big system and concrete system because this game, this entrepreneurship or this game as it, as they play it, it can fluctuate so quick. You could be the man for six months and then three months you're just down because at some point you're going to, you're going to hit those plateaus and you got to be able to withstand it. You know what I'm saying? Like you really have to have a strong mental in that entrepreneurship industry. So that's kind of my take on it. And when you start out, you're going to have to do a couple free camps, free training, assessments, whatever it is, because you just have to get that product out. If they don't know you, they're not going to pay you like that if they don't know you, unless you have a big following, like you have 10 NFL guys that everybody knows that's a pro bowler or a Super Bowl champion. It's just like, okay, okay, well, he trains him, so he must be good. You know what I mean? So that's what I'd say about that. Yeah, I think all of that is very important. I think a couple of things just to recap what you said. I mean, the, the multiple streams of income, the multiple product offerings, that's very important because to your point, there might be times where you're excelling in one area, but then that goes away. This is whether you're a trainer or some other entrepreneur, right? You need to make sure you're thinking about what what kind of offerings do I have out there to the marketplace and making sure that you've got multiple multiple streams of income, things coming in from different offerings. That doesn't mean that the offerings have to be so far. I mean, they should be aligned to what your core brand represents, but you have different offerings for people to purchase, different people in your target market right. that might be interested in those services. And social media, to your point, I mean, social media is so important now. I mean, there's so many different ways to reach your potential clients through Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and you just need to figure out what's the best modality for me to connect with my particular target audience. Right. Absolutely. And so let's talk about you. You mentioned, you know, training NFL guys and, you know, once you have elite clients, that is obviously a marketing tool that helps you to get more clients, not only from a referral standpoint, because they'll tell their guys about it, but also from other people, they see that you have that clientele and they think, oh, okay, Drew must know what he's doing because why would these elite athletes come work with Drew if he didn't know what he was supposed to do? So it's a great, a great marketing tool as well. But so let's talk about what is it that you do with these guys to help them stay at that elite level and remain competitive? Okay. My specialty per se is I love footwork. Every position you have to have feet. It starts from the bottom up, but it's more than just footwork. You know what I'm saying? It's body movement, being able to get from point A to point B with the least amount of false steps, unnecessary steps, just get there quickly, like really quickly. So when did I really start getting on? Like maybe 2015, 2014, maybe everybody would be like, yeah, he's doing all that footwork, but it's like, you're out there dancing, right? You're out there dancing. He, oh, he's just dancing. But they're not understanding. Like, I'm for a receiver or a running back. I'm not trying to get you to do all this stuff at the line of scrimmage. You know what I mean? Like, no, you want to and go. The thing about the footwork is to get you twitchy, get your muscles moving. So whatever you want to do, you can do it very quickly without even thinking about it. Like, I want to embed those movements in your body. So you see the cut, you don't have to think about the cut. Like it's just going to happen right. when you look over. So it's funny because now 
when people come to me, they're like, hey, man, we need fast feet, we need quick feet. You know, we need that pop, 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 all that stuff like that. And it's just funny when they come to me like that, because sometimes it's clients from years ago that wouldn't come to me because they thought it was unnecessary. Mm. So they've let two or three years come, whether it's for their kid or them or whoever. It's funny, you know what I'm saying? And now you see guys like a lot of top receivers in the league. You got Odell Beckham and, you know, Julio Jones or whoever else may be out there. And like my guy now, like DeAndre Swift, you know, and things of that nature, Nick Chubb, Roquan Smith, you know, with the Bears. Like all these guys, like those were the things to get them going. I, I know you saw Roquan get a pick and then he started looking like a running back out there yes. and took it to the house. You know what I'm saying? Roquan was straight ahead and he'll tell you, but it's things that we needed to work on to get his hips fluid and stuff like that. It's a lot of guys. Bud Dupree was 290 when he came to me. Now he's playing at 255 and coming off an injury, but you know, get a max deal. It was earned because we changed his body type and his movement. So it's a lot that it can provide. It's just not on the turf. Now I've been blessed to be able to work with exos when guys are released from ACLs and MCLs or Achilles tears because I understand the body and movement. And so the guys that come back from injury, they do well. You know what I mean? So that's the biggest thing. That's why we always say in the lab, we're in the lab cooking this up. We've been doing this for a long time. And that's how that name came about, the mad scientist. Perfect. It's like, oh, coach, you're the mad scientist. You're always cooking something up. Because there's so many other different names that's out there. You know, when it comes to feet and things like that, much respect to those other guys. Yep. But, you know, you just kind of try to find your own lane, you know, your own name mm-hmm. and things like that. So I call my little kids, you know, my little lab rats, give them nicknames, stuff like that. So it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I got you. And I'm glad that you tied it back because I was going to come back and say, okay, how did you get that name? So thank you for bringing that into the chat. And what I want to do now, Drew, to wrap our conversation is take you through my two-minute drill and just ask you some fun questions. Cool. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. The first one is, when you were 10 years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? Professional soccer player. Oh, interesting. Next question is, who would play you in a movie about your life? Like an actor now? It could be an actor or anybody. Hmm. I'd have to say one of my best friends, Justin Jones, because he can impersonate me pretty good. Okay. How about what is your favorite vacation spot? Turks and Caicos. A great choice. And how about what is your favorite ice cream flavor? Strawberry. All day long. Briars. You know. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Next question is, what is a pet peeve of yours? Ooh, I hate being late. Okay. I'm a stickler on my time. Don't be late. Gotcha. Next question is, what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? Move the ball. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And my last question is, you are hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people, living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? Okay, let me see. Pele from soccer, Mm -hmm. because I always wanted to meet him. LeBron James, because he's my favorite basketball player. Okay. No, I'll take that back. I'll take that back. No, not LeBron James. Muhammad Ali. And your third one? I have to say Denzel Washington. He's my favorite actor. That is a great choice. Yeah. So as we look to close the show, Drew, let people know where are you at on social media? How can they follow you? I'm really heavy on IG, DJ underscore the mad scientist. I'm on Twitter, DJ underscore blue magic, because that's what we call. Oh, the reason for the blue magic is just 
you know, it's just something that we, it's just different. Like just, it's not like anything else. So we just call it blue magic. So we'll have like blue magic Sundays and things like that. That's my Twitter. I don't have a website or anything up like that. Cause I just, like I said, I just kind of stick with IG. I answer DMs, just holler at me, give me a shot. I'm very reachable. I'm very approachable. And basically what I always say, you know, I'm just here to help, you know, it's up to you to take advantage of it. Perfect. And we'll be sure to have your IG and your Twitter in the show notes so people can connect can follow you and keep up with all the great things that you're doing. Drew, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me, Jennifer. And thank you to everyone for listening. And if you liked today's episode, be sure to share it with somebody else. And if you haven't already done so, hit that subscribe button so that you never miss a future episode. All right. We will talk to you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.